Jim Smith went to church one Sunday morning. He heard the organist miss a note during the prelude, and he winced. He saw a teenager talking when everyone was supposed to be bowed in silent prayer. He felt like the usher was watching to see what he put in the offering plate, and it made him mad. He caught the preacher making a slip of the tongue five times in the sermon by actual count. As he slipped out through the side door during the closing hymn, he muttered to himself, Never again, what a bunch of losers and hypocrites. Ron Jones went to church one Sunday morning. He heard the organist play an arrangement of A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and he thrilled at the majesty of it. He heard a youth take a moment in the service to speak her simple, moving message of the difference her faith makes in her life. He was glad to see this church was sharing in a special offering for the hungry children of Nigeria. He especially appreciated the sermon that Sunday. It answered a question that had bothered him for a long, long time. He thought as he walked out the doors of the church, how can a person come here and not feel the presence of God? Both men went to the same church on the same Sunday morning. And each found exactly what he was looking for. Most of the time we hear what we want to hear, don't we? Or we hear what we are looking for. After our great Easter services last week, I wanted to begin a teaching series called Becoming Completely Committed. And I'm excited about this service because the series, excuse me, because I know it will help me become more committed in my Christian walk. And my prayer is that it will help you as well. Now, I've preached on the story of Nicodemus in John chapter three before. In that message, we talked about the Aramaic words that Jesus used when speaking to Nicodemus and how they had multiple meanings. Nicodemus was mentally stuck with the physical meaning of being born again. And here's what he is expecting as in put back into your mother's womb and reborn. I always think when I read that scripture that every mother in the building probably winches. When repeating it back to Jesus, Nicodemus literally uses a term that means physically reborn. But Jesus meaning was to be reborn from above, born from above. Now, I just wanted to remind you of that message, not rehash it. Today, I want to look at a next step. In other words, what does being born from above really mean in our life? How does that look in our lives? So as a reminder, Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin an elite group of community and religious leaders. And he was an admirer of Jesus for some time. He had been. And listening to the teaching of Jesus, he couldn't help but be inspired by Jesus' words. He watched as Jesus worked incredible, incredible miracles. But it wasn't just his power that was impressive. It was his compassion and his love. Nicodemus was ready to take his relationship with Jesus to another level, but it wasn't that easy. It, it never, it never is. 
there would be much to lose in Nicodemus' life if he went as a public follower of Jesus. What would people think if they found out that Nicodemus was an admirer of this homeless carpenter turned rabbi from a town called Galilee? I mean, after all, what good comes out of Galilee? At the very least, he would lose his position in the Sanhedrin and his reputation as a, rep, as a religious leader. Being a secret admirer of Jesus cost him nothing, after all, right? But becoming a follower came with a high price tag. Doesn't it always? Doesn't it always? So in our scripture for today, Nicodemus finds himself at a crossroads. Would he choose religion and continue everything as it had been? Or would he make it public and choose a relationship with Jesus? There's only there's really only one way for him to truly become a follower, a follower of Jesus. Excuse me, I misread that. There is really no way for him to become a follower of Jesus without Losing his religion. Tell me something. Why do you think Nicodemus came at night to talk to Jesus? So nobody would see him? And what would happen if someone saw him coming and talking to Jesus? Could he avoid awkward uh, questions from the religious leaders? You think that might be one reason? He could possibly begin a relationship with Jesus without having to make any changes in his life if he, coming at night, right? He could follow Jesus by coming at night and it wouldn't affect his job, right? As a Sanhedrin. Let me ask you, have any of you ever been there? Maybe you're there now. You see, here is the reality that Nicodemus is about to be and have impressed upon him. There is no way to follow Jesus without him interfering with your life. Let's say this together. There is no way to follow Jesus without him interfering with your life. Following Jesus costs you something. Following Jesus always costs you something. You know, I've been a Kansas City Royals fan all my life, and since today is opening season of uh, MLB, I thought it was good to mention this. But in 1985 and 2015, I stepped up my fan game. I think we can call it a fair weather fan. Isn't that what that is called? As a fan before, I would loosely watch them. And for most of my life, I've been embarrassed, quite honestly, to be called a fan of the Kansas City Royals. But in 1985 and in 2015, it was different. I can get an amen on that, can I? Last year, late in the season, now I'm, I'm confessing here, so I expect grace Last year, late in the season, we the leadership of this church actually scheduled meetings around Royals games. Can you believe that? 
We might have uh, left early a couple times just because it was coming on, right? If the Dirks family had a choice, we were home watching the Royals play. You know, in 85 and 2015, I watched more baseball probably than I have the rest of my life put together. Now, now we didn't change our life as much as some people. We weren't the crazies. You know what I'm saying. But the Dirks family changed our life to follow and to support the royals. Many of us are this way towards following Jesus, aren't we? Brings up a very important question for each of us fans. Has Jesus, has following Jesus cost you anything? Has following Jesus cost you anything? Think about it. You don't have to speak up, but just think in your mind. Has following Jesus cost you anything? Most of us don't mind if Jesus makes some minor change in our lives. But Jesus wants us to schedule our work and play around Jesus, right? Jesus wants us to turn our lives upside down. As fans, we don't mind Jesus, you know, doing a little touch-up work, right? But Jesus wants a complete renovation, amen? Fans come to Jesus thinking tune-up, but Jesus is thinking overhaul. Fans think a little here and there is fine, nip and tuck, you know, but Jesus is thinking makeover, Fans think a little decorating is required, but Jesus wants a complete remodel of the house. Fans want Jesus to inspire them. Fans want Jesus to inspire them, but Jesus wants to interfere with our lives. I mean, a lot of us are that way, aren't we? We come to Sunday morning and we want to be inspired. But Jesus would say that's not the purpose of Sunday morning at all. You see, with Nicodemus that night, Jesus was letting him know that, yes, he had a decision to make, but that's not the same as following Jesus. Jesus would not accept a relationship with Nicodemus where he simply believed. Jesus wanted Nicodemus to follow Jesus didn't want Nicodemus just at night. Jesus wanted Nicodemus during the day as well. Making a decision for Jesus, believing in him and being committed to him or following him are two totally different things. The Gospels, quite honestly, don't allow for such distinction. Biblical belief is more than mental assent or verbal acknowledgement. Let's read that together. Biblical belief is more than mental assent or verbal acknowledgement. Many fans have repeated a prayer or raised their hands or walked forward at the end of a sermon and made a decision to believe, and that is huge. But many of those very same people have never made a change in their life. Is that You? There was never a commitment to follow Jesus 
But you know, Jesus never offered that option. Jesus is looking for more than words of belief. Jesus is looking to see how those words are lived out in our life. When we decide to believe in Jesus without making a commitment to follow him, we become nothing more than just fans. Fair weather fans, similar to me and the royals, right? Biblical belief is more than just an intellectual acknowledgement. It is a commitment to follow. Everybody understand what I'm saying today? Following by definition requires more than a mental assent. It calls for movement. Am I saying, you know, that one is more important than the other? No, what I'm saying is you can't truly believe in Jesus without following Jesus. As a matter of fact, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, believed you can look at a person and the fruit that they produce to see if they really are Christians in their life. What fruit do you produce in your life? A quick example is taken from Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31. Let's turn to that together. Matthew 25, verse 31. This will be familiar to you. Matthew 25, verse 31. <clears throat> I'm just going to skim, skip down through it real quick here. Beginning with the 31st verse in Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was thirsty and you gave me food. I was, uh, excuse me, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then if you skip down to um, uh, verse 41, then he will say to those at his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into eternal life, prepared for the devil with his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me what? I was thirsty and you gave me? I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not give me clothing sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Right. So. So. What where, excuse me, did the one who did not do go? Hmm. Excellent. So where did the the ones that did not do, where did they go? Where did the ones who did not do go? Okay. And, And what about the ones that did do? Where did they go? Let me ask you what I think is a really simple question. Where would you rather be? 
You see, Jesus does not hold back with Nicodemus. Following Jesus would require a commitment that would cost Nicodemus a great, great deal. As we look at what it means to follow Jesus, this is going to become a theme, folks. As a matter of fact, we can go throughout Scripture. Moses couldn't follow God without standing in front of Pharaoh. How many of us would have rather not done that? Noah couldn't follow God without building an ark that would bring ridicule from his neighbors. Daniel couldn't follow God by praying to him alone without being thrown into a lion's den. Following Jesus isn't something you can do at night where no one notices. It is a full-time commitment that will interfere with your life. I promise you. You see, many of us have been ushered into the church, whether it's this church or other churches, with churches saying with great passion about you needing to make a decision to believe, but then said little about the fact that this commitment would, uh, fact that this com- uh, commitment would and should change the way, I really butchered that, didn't I? That you live. Many of us have been ushered into churches saying with great passion about the fact that you need to make a decision to believe, but then have said little about the fact that this commitment would and should change the way that you live. We have ordered a gospel that costs us nothing and offers us everything. What does following Jesus cost you? We have ordered a gospel that costs us nothing and offers us everything. So in case someone left it out or forgot to mention it when they explained the gospel to you, there is no forgiveness without repentance. There is no salvation without surrender. There is no life without death, and there is no believing without committing to Jesus Christ. Amen? If you're one of those occasional Christians, if you're one that comes on Christmas, Easter, and maybe if there's a funeral, if you have believed but only come to Jesus when it is safe, in the dark, or on Sunday morning, Jesus now invites you to follow Him in the light. Follow Jesus in the light. And I tell you what, what a great day to do it today. Choose, make a decision to be committed to Jesus Christ as we take communion this morning as a church family. There is no better day than today. I mean, all of us together, both services together, worshiping together, receiving the Lord's table together. Amen. Maybe you have called yourself a Christian for years, but you have yet to commit your life to following Jesus. I invite you today to make that happen. Because we see throughout Scripture that when you say, I believe in Jesus, Jesus expects us to follow. Jesus, Jesus expects our lives to change Jesus expects us to walk him with him and follow him in the light. Amen. So today, 
Take a stand. Say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. No matter what it costs me in my life, I want to follow you. Let's pray. Holy God, we celebrate you today. We give you thanks and praise for this amazingly gorgeous day. I thank you for all the folks that are gathered here today, and I thank you for the anointing that is upon their life and has been upon this worship service. We celebrate, Lord, the fact that you um, are excited that we are here focusing on you and worshiping your holy name. And as you taught us today, Lord, help us take that step of commitment. Help us, Lord, follow you. Yes, it starts with a decision to believe, Lord. But let us make that next decision and that next commitment to do your work in this world that we live. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.